Yo, what's good people? It's your boy TSK and welcome to the Hashtag Rooted and Established podcast where we are having conversations with people who are pursuing their goals, leaving behind memorable legacies. I hope that after listening you're inspired, encouraged and motivated to keep making the most out of what you have. Let's get it! Cause if you look inside your heart, you'll find that you're made of love and you see That's why you're so special all right then cool so we are here with a very very special guest uh she goes by the name of ruth um (laughs) and i'm proper excited to get into this this one actually because i don't know if um if you're listening to this and you may follow ruth on social media um you may see that she's very open with some of the experiences that she's faced in life and I I knew from, I guess, just from seeing how open she is about some of the stuff that she's gone through, I knew like straight away that I wanted to get her on the podcast and oh. just get her sharing, I guess, just how she's responded and lived through some of her life experiences and yeah, um, just use it as a, a testimony for those that may, may be listening and going through similar situations or um yeah just just something that they're finding quite challenging so i'm gonna leave it to you ruth you want to introduce yourself what it is you do who you are etc um hi everyone my name is ruth i'm 22 years old um i am a nigerian born and born i say born and raised but i was there for like four years Mm -hmm. and then i moved to london i've been living in london since then yeah um i've just graduated um i was studying psychology with british sign language i could never say that mm-hmm. um with bsl and yeah that's me really i don't know what else to say Psych- i'm a christian as well Come on. you know that's the thing um and yeah psychology of british sign language that's interesting how come you decided to, to choose british sign language um but it was really random i was on the bus and we were waiting you know when the bus driver changes yeah and i was just, it was just a long time of me thinking and then i, re- I like I, I have a very um like i don't know what it's like my mind overthinks and then but it's very like through pictures mm-hmm. so then i just had a scenario of like somebody like passing out on the bus mm-hmm. but because they were deaf i couldn't help them i couldn't figure out what was wrong oh wow i didn't know how to communicate with them yeah and i was like that's so bad like what i can't i don't have any like dreams or aspirations to be like an ambulance person or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah, but yeah, i was yeah. like yeah this is not this doesn't make any sense because like if other languages in the UK, mm-hmm. it's like you chose to speak that language because you're born from that country, born in that country or you lived in that country. Yeah. But if there was a tongue that was native to people who are from this country and who live in this country, but no one else understands that, mm. it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So that kind of started the thought process. And then I watched um, a TV show called American Next Top Model. And there was also a deaf guy there who ended up winning the competition. Oh, wow. But throughout the time, like, no, like, he had, like, one friend because people really couldn't, like, communicate with him. Yeah. And he had an interpreter there. And I was like, this is rubbish. Like, mm. it doesn't make any sense mm. as to why we can't, ba- like, on a basic level, communicate with them. Yeah. So when I, got, when I came to university, um, I just took up the opportunity and I love it. It's so much fun. Wow, that is, that is so really cool. Fun. Yeah. Sign language is definitely something that, a lot more people should um, try to learn how to communicate with. Because like, even my youngest yeah. sister, because um, she goes to a special needs school, and mm. um, yeah, like they they incorporate like sign language into like um, her communication as well. So like, oh. yeah, it's actually really good. 
It's so, I feel like if you're like a picture person, like a visual person, that's what the word is, not picture person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A visual person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basic. Um, <laughs> you still got that degree though. Yeah. yeah, I do you know what I mean. Sometimes I have to, that's going to be my saving grace because sometimes when I speak, I'm like, Ruth, you had education for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to apologise in advance yeah. because, yeah, my vocab levels don't reflect my educational level. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so, like, a vis- it's a really visual language, mm. um, which I think it's so nice because, yeah, if you're expressive, um, it just works so well. And I couldn't learn French and Spanish in secondary school to save my life. Mm. Like, I just gave up. Yeah. So it was really nice. It's, it's a re- different mode of learning. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel like me saying... <laughs> You got that degree. It's kind of just ruined the story now. <laughs> no, no, no. I got that degree. No, we could... <laughs> you needed to say that because some people would have been looking like, is this girl okay? Like, she said she's 22. <laughs> okay. So, but I'm not hearing that. Yeah. Okay, let's take it back to the beginning then. So you said you were born and raised in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, And then, so how old are you when you came over to the UK? I was four, man. Mm. I was four and I was happy. Like, London was the dream. Like, <laughs> one of my earliest memories was me asking my mum, mm-hmm. oh, can we please move to London? Please, please. Yeah. And she told me to pray about it. And I actually, I think I remember, like, we, I was with, like, one of my Barbie dogs or something like that, mm-hmm. and going to the window and praying to God, like, Lord, please. Wow. Can we move to London? And here I am. And, lo, like, this country... <laughs> Wait, what, 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 why London? Like, what was so attractive to you about London like, when you were four years old? I don't even know. I think I, this memory probably may have come after we visited one time. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a short visit before we eventually stayed here for, like, the rest of my life. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I probably watched TVs and watched the TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't know why I thought this land was the land of milk and honey. <laughs> but... <laughs> Here we are. (laughs) So you came over when you were four and then... Yeah. So what is it? You went straight into like school here straight away, I'd imagine, or... Yeah, yeah. So I... I, My mum said I did all my schooling here. So I did preschool here in South London um, Mm -hmm. and then went to primary school. And it's weird because like, I don't really remember... Obviously, I was young anyway. I don't really remember that. But when I hear stories about that time of, of my life and the stuff that went on during my childhood, I'm mm-hmm. like, bruh, I didn't clock any of that. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a whole lot of mess going on. But mm-hmm. to me, it was just going to school, going to church, and that was it. Which I guess is good because, you know, you're a child. You're not meant to be aware yeah. of, like, how harsh life can be. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I know it definitely wasn't um, the smooth dream that probably my parents had in store for us when we came here. Yeah. As in, so, like, what sort of challenges did you guys face when you first moved over? Um, from the stories that I've heard, it was mainly with immigration. So yeah. we came here on like a six month visitors visa. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I've mentioned before, I haven't been back to Nigeria. So that six month definitely expired. <laughs> and um, we didn't go back. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. None of my business will know. I don't, wanna, I don't really want to know why because like yeah. I said, I was four. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so we didn't really have like stable housing. So like I used to go, I used to travel maybe like two hours or just underneath two hours mm-hmm. to go to preschool. Um, and I remember mom telling me like, we used to stay with a specific auntie and um, 
her husband she was divorced from her husband and her husband basically didn't they just had beef yeah and so he found out that we were basically me my brother my mum were living in this house with her mm-hmm. and he called the police on us like the immigration officers came to that lady's house oh wow where we were in and like demanding to come inside and stuff like that mm-hmm. and to come and see us mm-hmm. but she stood her ground and was like no I'm, there's no one here bro. like yeah I'm here for you yeah kind of thing so i know it was it was quite a probably a very hard time to like learn to to live with two children yeah. and my dad was going back and forth between nigeria and the uk mm-hmm. so but it's mainly, mainly my mum here yeah so yeah i feel like immigration problems have started and to be honest they didn't really they haven't really stopped mm. um um throughout my life but yeah i think that's probably the main thing obviously like not having money because it's hard to get a job and even though like my both my parents are like what you call highly skilled if the yeah in quotation marks yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, like they both have degrees. My mum's a solicitor. Mm-hmm. My dad's like a poet. Um, oh wow! Slash poet. What do you like? Just a create. I'll say creative. You know, creative. Creative. They don't like headlines. So like you, you do poetry one day. You're acting another thing. That kind of. That's stuff. really interesting. They, because I yeah. guess like if we like stereotypically, it's like the African parents yeah. is this go down like the science route. Or I guess more recently, like the businessy sort of route and the arts mm-hmm. are kind of it's it's kind of frowned upon. In- yeah no definitely um I don't think I even realized how like unique my parents occupation and career um choices are in terms of like African parents because it's my mum's very obviously the educational route to be a lawyer or that kind of stuff like that and my dad's like the complete opposite yeah. but then they both I think it's like an African thing education is very important mm-hmm. so even if you want to be a creative don't yeah. be a creative with no with no like <laughs> With no credentials yeah. to your name do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he still went to university to do English literature I think okay yeah that's really so good. like you know what I mean yeah. so it's it is very interesting and it's it's um definitely shaped how I feel like what I can do with my future and my career like I, I've never been that kind of it has to be education only mm. like I feel like I could do both best of both worlds kind of thing yeah. maybe because I've seen it in my life yeah no, that's really cool. So, like, when when do you think you first started to become aware of, like, the immigration problems that, like, your family were facing? Um, in year... Oh, year seven? Year seven, year eight. Um, and I think that's because it got to the point where we were getting... We were being evicted from our house, and this was the first time we've ever been evicted mm. or faced, faced eviction. Mm. Um, and so my mum would need to take us to, like... Croydon Council to basically be like yo we're about to be homeless Mm. can you help us out and because of how it is it's like you can't not go for children because they won't maybe they don't believe that you have children Mm. all this kind of stuff so we have to go along and I'm very nosy and so I'll be listening in Mm. and it kind of came to a point where it was like oh yeah so that I can remember the lady saying like you, we have options for you um a free flight to Nigeria um wow. we can bundle you guys up and you guys can go and you'll be fine yeah or that's pretty much it really I think they did try and offer us a house mm. somewhere in like Wolverhampton I've never been to Wolverhampton oh, wow. before yeah it was one bedroom yeah. I was in like yeah it was just that wasn't an option yeah so basically the best option was to be like um ship deported back to Nigeria and my mum was like that's not great none of us have been in, in that country for ages and my extended family is not as close as 
you would think. Mm. So it's not like, oh, we're going back to like a rich, nice Nigerian living. Like, nah, sorry. Mm. No. So um, that's probably the first time I realised it. Mm. Um, But up until that point, it's so funny because, you know, when you go to secondary school and you have like those Paris exchanges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like you watch YouTube, you watch TV, for example, and it's like the Disney Channel... um, Disney World like discounts and they're like mm. for a family of four it's only one hundred twenty one yeah, pounds yeah. and I'm like mummy look daddy look <laughs> yeah. like come on let's go yeah. like this is the deal like come on we can go to Paris and it'd be so much fun and mm. and they'd always be like yeah 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 we'll do it but we don't have the money at the moment or God will provide mm. so I just thought we were poor mm. like I didn't think we were poor and illegal in this country <laughs> I just thought we were poor yeah. so when that happened I was like oh it makes sense so I didn't go to that Paris exchange because mm. even I told my mum like mummy's only a hundred pounds yeah. she's like no 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 um so yeah I think that's when like my eyes were open and I couldn't really they, my mum my couldn't really shield me from that fact anymore mm. and so like with I guess it being a thing that was kind of out in the open now like that you were aware of how did mm. all of that make you feel because when when you were evicted was it was that because of like immigration um um no well I guess so but not directly yeah I feel like because my mum didn't have her papers yeah or we didn't have papers there was she was limited in how she could work because Mm, mm. you can't really get a typical job if they're asking for your passport and you don't have your passport yeah yeah. so where she was working she was I wouldn't say she was even working it was like more like volunteer legal work that she was doing yeah so she but but she'll be doing nine to five and stuff like that and I know when she started what um she when she came to the UK she, she told me that she used to um work in McDonald's or care homes mm. and then to try and like earn some money and stuff like that. So I don't want to out my mum for doing stuff that she wasn't doing, mm-hmm. meant to be doing, but you know, yeah. like, so it was tight. So mm. I think money was tight as well. Obviously, because my dad's a creative, he's not, it's not nine to five mm. kind of mm. salary work that you're getting. So it got to a point where there just wasn't enough money to pay the bills. Mm. And yeah, the bills racked up and the landlord. Oh mate, oh yeah. can I let me not talk about landlords knocking on your door? That's <laughs> I can't crazy even imagine. stuff. Yeah, you do, oh, man. Yeah, the memories. Let's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like it was, it was quite hard, but I think I think it was just like oh, everything makes sense now as to why we're so so poor, and mm. then just thinking like okay, so it's not even like I'm just illegal and fine. I can just keep my head down don't go missing, don't do, don't be, don't do anything illegal so the police don't come and find you. Yeah. But it was more like, okay, so now I'm evicted and the government really doesn't care mm. because I'm illegal. Yeah. Like, they, they have no, um, what do you call it? The English words, we don't have it. They don't have any, like, obligation, that's the word. Yes. They don't have any obligation to help me because mm-hmm. I'm not a legal citizen here. Yeah, yeah. Which I get to a certain extent, but then again, I'm just like, mm, that's another, mm. another headache. So it was, it was quite hard, and I, it's so funny because my brother told me a story about how in secondary school, I think this was about maybe like year eight or year nine now, mm. um, I told him that, cool, we're going to run away. Like, this is what we're going to do after school today. Oh, wow. Wait for me. We're going to run away and the police are going to find us. And then we'll just say that we're, like, we can't go back home because of what's going on and they will help us. Mm. Like, that was my plan. Yeah. And, I, and when he told me, I was like, I literally don't remember this at all. Mm. Um, How old was your brother when you told him that? 
He was in year seven, so probably like 11, yeah. and I was probably like 13. Okay. So yeah, that was a plan. But I don't know what happened, because he said that after school that day, when I was meant to, we were meant to run away. Mm. Meanwhile, we didn't have no money, I didn't have no plan. <laughs> yeah. There was no, like, I had a lunchbox, clothes, like, it was yeah. going to be my school uniform, my school bag, yeah. like, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Don't know what we were going to do, um, but apparently I went to him and I was like, oh, don't worry, you can go up, you can go home with your friends, like, we're not doing that plan anymore. Yeah. But I just so... I can't really remember. I think I've blocked a lot of those memories of when I was younger. But mm. just the fact that I was so desperate yeah. to somehow try and save our situation or save us from what was going on. Mm. That I wanted to run away, which is a very stupid plan, by the way. I mean, I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> don't know what that would do for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think maybe it was quite um, very destabilising, yeah. that's what I would say. Yeah. And like, what sort of impact did that have on, I guess, like your school life at the time? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Because when I talk about what's happened, people from my secondary school have been like, what? Ruth, that happened to your secondary school? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just think school was nice. School was a very beautiful distraction. I went to a nice secondary school, like... I didn't really get into beef. I'm quite a social butterfly kind of thing, yeah. very extroverted. So yeah. I don't think it majorly affected me, but because I could keep up that pretense and nobody would really know. Um, and I think the, the, the time when we got evicted, we were living in a hotel for like six months. Mm. I think the hardest part about that was the fact that the hotel was really close to school okay. and everyone knew that I lived in a certain area. So like, you know, when you walk home with your friends and there's always that point where you depart yeah, yeah, yeah. and go your separate ways. Yeah. I stopped departing and going from my separate ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my friends were like, where are you going? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just... I'm just going to go meet my mum in Croydon because yeah. she asked me to... Meanwhile, the hotel's like next door to the Primark. Yeah, yeah. And then like... And then so that was a bit tricky and I just I used to hate lying. I'd be like, yeah, my, my uncle lives in this hotel. I'm just going to go and see him. Mm. That's what I'm doing and stuff like that. So I guess that's probably as hard as it went. And um, luckily there was also a youth charity in Croydon that was uh, able to pay for me and my brother's um, lunch. Mm. So I used to get like free school meals. Well, I say free school meals because the government did, weren't able to give me that because obviously I stayed. Yes, of course. They yeah, paid yeah. for our... They paid for our lunches. So that was nice. Yeah. I'm I used to look forward to going to school and looking at the menu and always going to the canteen yeah. giddy because I knew I had money to eat and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. But um, yeah, I think I think I was a very good child at like um, blocking things out and pretending that didn't really affect me and just trying to get on with whatever I had to do mm. and avoid what was really going on. Yeah. And so like when you look back, like how do you think... It, doing that like affected you like at the time uh, I just I became a very 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 closed off yeah like it's funny like now that I talk about my problems like it's bloody everybody's business <laughs> 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 like I'm so open and I, I find it so funny because my brother who is introverted is mm. the complete opposite and I sometimes I feel bad about being so open about what's happened in my life because obviously it happened in his life as well yeah. but I just it I know that there was like a point in my life, luckily there was a church that I was going to and they, one of the girls there, she was quite young as well, close to my age, she just sat me down and was like, just tell me what's going on and that was like the first time I'd ever like verbally spoken out what is going on in my life mm. and this, 
going through like immigration problems going through financial problems and also going through your parents divorce and mm. feeling like there's no one you can talk to and all this kind of stuff mm. so uh it made me so closed off like i just never used to speak about anything like, yeah. i would see things happening see abuse in the home and i was the one that would just i'd like shut myself off yeah. i'd be quiet yeah like, i can see someone getting hurt in a way that they shouldn't be getting hurt and i'm the big sister and mm. i still wouldn't say anything mm. and my brother is like the one that would be like shouting and being angry and getting his emotions out how he feels it to be yeah. and i would just be silent so i think it definitely um made me really closed off and i think even till now i can still see that pattern mm. and it's like something i have to be aware of yeah and force myself to just do what I know is right, even though I feel like it's like the worst thing I should ever do. Mm. And wh- what do you think it is that stopped you from like speaking about some of the things that you were going through like then at the time? Mm. I think a mixture of like denial. Yeah. Like this is not the life I, I ever thought I'd be living in. Yeah. This is not the life I've seen other people living mm. as well. Like everyone seemed to have the perfect life in secondary school. Mm. They had the money, they could go on holiday, all that kind of stuff like that. Yeah. So in me speaking out my truth, it, it made it very real. Yeah. And then also there was that level of like shame as to just like, this is not what um, life should be like. And I, I love TV. Like I really thank God for Sky yeah. because... <laughs> I just drowned and got myself so consumed by TV shows like Disney Channel and stuff like that, which depicts like a perfect life. The most wahala and stress you get is like (laughs) through boyfriend relationship issues, you know what I mean? And literally only that. So, yeah, literally that was it. And after that, everyone always got what they wanted at the end. So seeing the, the difference in what I was seeing on TV and then in my life, in my home, it mm. was just, yeah, like, this isn't great. This is a, something I shouldn't be proud of, something maybe nobody else understands because no one else has spoken about this. And it's yeah. not like where I... It's not like social media where you could go online and see what other, what other people are doing in their life. I was like, all I had was this Disney Channel and Waterloo Road. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, yeah, I think it was a lot of shame and denial, which is quite sad. But, yeah. You know. And so, like, did you reach a point where, like, you were eventually well obviously you mentioned how you spoke to your friend from church did mm-hmm. that then help you to begin to address like um these different things that you were facing more regularly yeah. um i don't know if i ever addressed it but i don't think i i had the power to like everything was kind of out of my control mm. in terms of the, the big things that i was facing in terms of like obviously your parents getting divorced mm-hmm. And then being a legal immigrant and not having any money, I was underage. I couldn't work. Yeah. Um, I, it I didn't really know how to trust anybody or the authorities because it was like I'm a legal immigrant. Mm. I don't want them to like take me away or take me away from my parents or anything like that. Yeah. So I think talking to somebody just kind of gave me inner peace and made me understand that with these people, I could be myself yeah. without having to worry that they might ask me a question and and I have to explain what's going on yeah. they already knew so they could already understand sort of what I was going through mm. or at least they knew so that if I was ever myself in terms of like if I was ever quiet if I was ever, if I was ever down yeah. they could understand what was, what I was um where that was coming from rather yeah. so that was just enough it was kind of just nice to have like a safe haven in those people and in that environment yeah. to know that at least they cared and they knew what was going on. So I didn't have to carry that with me. Yeah. 
No, I completely hear that because even with myself, like when I look back on like my teenagers, like I know there's so many things like oh situations I could have avoided like if I'd just spoken to someone, but for some reason mm. I guess we can just tend to fear like how other people would react or I guess yeah. even with what you're saying about having like that perfect life, like it's easy to look at others from the outside and think that everyone has it all together. And if I open up about yeah. something that I'm facing, then like my image is just completely shattered. But the truth, like the mm-hmm. truth is that everyone has things that they are dealing with, whether it's out of their hands or um, something yeah. they can control, sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, partially why I don't have too much like. Uh, censorship around what I've been through mm. because I just know that everything that you you've, that's happened to you, you're not the first person to have. The first person it's happened to, and you're not going to be the last. Mm, mm. So there's going to be somebody who's going to relate, yeah. even if it's just one person, and it might not be today's to how specific it happened to you. Mm. They all understand, mm, mm. and there's freedom in knowing that you're not the only person because you just feel like, oh right, like I went through all of this nonsense and it was just me and like the world hates me and God hates me and all that kind of stuff mm, like that. Mm. And so I'm like, no. I don't feel too much shame about it because I know it's not me. It's not just me. Mm, and mm. you just, yeah, you just never know who can relate to that. Because I've spoken to people about something. They're like, oh my God, that happened to me as well. And I'm like, I would have never known. Yeah. I would yeah. have never know. We were there at the same time. Mm. We could have spoken about it. We could have helped each other through it. Mm. But because no one said anything, mm. um, we just never, we just never knew. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so with all that going on, like, how, how did you end up getting into university to study was it psychology with British sign, sign language? language. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was a journey. So from the Beningen, um, <laughs> <laughs> um I had like like I'm very focused. I think I was very focused. And even though I'm not that I'm not that academically smart at all. I would never call myself an academic. Okay, yeah. Which I don't know if it's me prophesying or <laughs> saying the wrong thing. Yeah. But yeah, I've never been that smart, but I've always known that like I wanted to be like a therapist and Oprah kind of vibes and stuff like that. Okay. Um. So in year nine, I had like a five-year plan. I'm gonna do my finish my GCSEs, study A levels, and then go to university do my psychology um degree. And I thought that's what would make me a psychologist, mm. which I found out later on, like my first year. That's not really the route. Mm. Um. Mm. But um, that was kind of my plan. And so I didn't realize that my immigration status would affect my eligibility for student finance Mm. till literally I got my first offer in college Mm. and it was from Coventry University and they were like well done I was gassed because I was thinking yes I'm definitely going to uni now and they told me to put a deposit of like 2,000 or 3,000 pounds and I was like what the (laughs) hell is that (laughs) I was like huh like that was a condition I remember looking at it like twice thinking oh that's normal like the time I read it three times I was like oh that's normal my friend and he was like um i didn't get that i was thinking what the hell does that mean <laughs> yeah 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 and then very oh god is good anyway mm. very luckily like maybe a couple months before my first offer i watched a video of this youtuber that i watch um and she was saying about how like she lived here for ages but she can't go to university because of student finance she doesn't get it mm-hmm. and then i emailed her and i was like um i think i might have the same issue mm. even though i didn't really understand my immigration status at the time i was legal at this point as well yeah. so that was that's what i thought was all i needed really and truly to mm. just be here legally yeah 
And then she linked me up with the charity, and then I think I made a blog post about it. This is how you know Ruth is a bit crazy. <laughs> I was in the middle of the mess, didn't really understand what was what I was about to get myself into. Yeah. Making a blog Making... post about, <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm not going to be able to go see the first tea, but I know God is good. Yeah. And I made that post, and then somebody in my church, which from years back, reached out to me, and she was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you're going through this. I went through the same thing. And so through her telling me that, oh, yeah, I went through this, same thing she was able to link me up with somebody who could help me understand my situation yeah and for people who don't know um qualifying finance is not as easy as just being in this country legally so you if you're if you're not a british citizen or an eu citizen i don't really know what that's going on with brexit mm-hmm. but if you're not a mm-hmm. british citizen anyway um the visa that you have you have to have had to be here for more than half of your life mm. and then also have had to be here for three years legally prior to the start of your course wow um so that's the which sounds very like the simple not that deep mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah yeah but it's basically like a um curric not curric it's a, a state of rules that kind of came out of um people apparently coming to this country just to study here and then cut in okay um, yeah because apparently i didn't practice what people were doing in the past mm. um but yeah so that's what they that's the rules they had um set out and i missed out because um, I had been in this country two year, two and a half years legally yeah. um, prior to the start of my course. So that means that I, there was maybe like three, four months I needed to be here legally for me to qualify. Yeah. So I was thinking, this is a bunch of bullcrap. Yeah. You ain't going to give me no money for yeah. four months. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's rude. <laughs> I've been here. I've been striving. Yeah. This is not, this isn't cute, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of... Yeah, so I was like, but I was really determined and I was like, this isn't fair because I've been trying, like I studied psychology AS level mm. privately by myself. I, ha- I basically didn't really have a teacher because mm. my school didn't offer it. So I was grinding to be able to qualify to go to university and study psychology. Right. Um, yeah. But you tell me that you, I'm, I can't go because you can't, you're not going to give me a student loan. Mm. And if people don't realise what international fees are at university, Boy, they are bonkers. They are ridiculous. They are ridiculous. Bon- same degree, same teachers, same accommodation, oh but you're paying gosh. a good minimum £4,000 extra a year. like, And you have to pay that money up front. So my course was going to be around like £11,400 £11, each year. That was just tuition. And then I was meant to just figure out how I'm going <sighs> to afford my accommodation. And it was this was the same year that I was about to be evicted from my own home again. So I knew my mum was having financial oh. de- um, issues. She's the only one working... It it was imposter can't. Mm. It was not gonna happen. There was no way I was gonna be able to get this money. Mm. Um, and the reason why I kind of just started fighting for the, I'll say the right to education, pretty much, was mm. because I called this charity that this um YouTuber has set me up with. Yeah. Um, and I was on the phone to them explaining to them like this is my situation. He was basically saying that okay, cool. Because, yeah, you've missed out on qualifying by a couple of months of, like, legal status here, mm-hmm. um, you need to apply to university and you'll qualify for student finance the following year, which, for some people, is not that deep. But yeah. in my head, I'm like, why am I starting university a year late mm. for nothing that has to... And it had to, and it has no... Um, reason, the reasoning is not linked to my grades. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. But, no. Yeah. And, like I said in the beginning, I had a five-year plan. I knew what I was going in life. No, I, I was, <laughs> in year uh, nine. That, that is determination. I was like, 
That is I was so like, yeah, I was like, no. And I think obviously because you know you're, you're 18, it's like everyone goes to university at the same time as well. So yeah. that, there was that kind of pressure. And I was like, if I have to deter for a year, what am I telling my friends? Like my friends that don't even know that I've had an legal status for God knows how true, long. True, yeah, it was true. Yeah, it was just not ideal. But as you were yeah. saying that on the phone, I heard God tell me, you are going to university. That's mm. all I heard. There was not you are going to university at this time and mm. I will do this for you. It was just those like words, you are mm. going to university. So mm. I cut the phone and I was like, oh, that's fine. Thank you very much. Because in my house <laughs> thinking, God's going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I had like this kind of like a blissful faith. You know, when you just haven't really realised the lion in the den is actually a real lion yeah, in your yeah. head. Freaking, it's a stuffed toy. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no problem. So I yeah. cut the phone and it was just from then on, uh, it was just a, it was quite a long journey. Uh, do you want to go to the details? Or? Um, yeah, man, we're, we're here for the details. We're here for the details. We're here for the details. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> luckily the firm, the university I go to is University of Sussex, and that was my first choice. And I realised that they had a scholarship for people who were in my situation. Yeah. And then that scholarship gave you basically full tuition fee waiver. So I wouldn't have to pay anything for my tuition. Wow. And then they give you £3,000 a year to help with your accommodation costs mm. um, and whatever else, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, cool, God is good because this university I didn't even want to go to in the, in the beginning. Mm. So I just thought this was this was how God was going to do it for me. So yeah. I applied for the scholarship um, and then you find out whether you got a scholarship or not um after you get your results and all that kind of stuff so results day i got in even though i didn't even meet the grade requirements and they asked for me yeah. so i'm thinking god is good mm. i'm seeing signs and billboards thank you jesus mm, mm. and then <laughs> lo and behold <laughs> i didn't get a scholarship oh. I, I said oh. yeah what what does this mean i called them up and everything they were like oh, i'm so sorry you were in the top four but it's only two scholarships available and you didn't get it and i'm just thinking right. yeah okay but I've told everyone I'm going to university. I've told my work I'm leaving at a certain date. Mm. Um, you know, been buying small, small stuff, been watching all the YouTube vlogs about to, moving uni, to uni. uni start a pack you know what I mean? Sort of getting, yeah. Literally, I'm getting gas. Yeah. I'm getting so excited. Um, they're like, yeah, so sorry, you can't get it. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? And then also that summer um, of me, when I was meant to come to university, we were evicted and we were also meant to renew our visa. Mm. Um but we didn't have, obviously didn't have the money. Um, so we sent off our application for the visa renewal in time of the date before it expired. Mm. Um, but we didn't send the money. And I don't know what miracle we're expecting. Like maybe some when we sent the paper off, somebody will pay for our visa <laughs> stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But they came back and they were like, Skin, where's the Where's, where's the, the piece? Yeah, where's the piece? Yeah, legit. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, where's the piece? What was that also paper? <laughs> You're giving us the wrong paper, babes. Like... <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so um yeah i didn't even know how it happened but eventually we did pay them we did give them like the money we needed to renew our visa mm. but because we did it late we have technically again i have now i have now become an overstayer i've now become an illegal immigrant but i need to go to university and student finance or like yeah we know we don't qualify but we actually can't give you a a sure answer till you send us your passport and stuff and if you don't know when you renew your visa mm. you send off all your like original documents to home office to sort them to sort that out and stuff like that mm. and then when you're when they're done they'll give it back to you mm. so i went to university still because i remember that voice that god told me 
you are going to university. So mm. I'm packing my bags, telling my friends, bye, yeah. left work. You know what I mean? I'm moving to Brighton yeah. because God told me I'm pulling up to uni. Like, God forbid they answer my any legal thing, my passport, yeah. birth certificate. I ain't got a jack. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I don't know how they gave me my, they gave me my key. I moved into my accommodation and I just sat there and I was like, okay, cool. Like, what's going to happen is, in my head, I was hoping that, you know, when I get my legal status somehow, um, I'll give it to student finance and they'll just and I'll be an exception. I'm gonna be that miracle. They're gonna overlook their guidelines. Yeah. And even though I don't qualify, God's gonna qualify me. You know what mm, I mean? Mm, praise, mm, praise, mm. praise be to God. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> praise I already have my testimony plans. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. With with or without God's plans, yeah. I knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. It didn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. Um I luckily did I said not luckily, by God's grace, I got my visa renewed and st- renewed and stuff sent it to student finance they told me no i went through the whole appeal stage of appealing that decision um and they got rejected each time mm. and this is all through first year so this well i did the foundation year so this is all through my foundation year yeah and god just saw me through that i'm telling i didn't pay one penny in my tuition fee wow that whole year i got blocked off my student accounts hella times mm. um um, my accommodation luckily I qualified for a scholarship and the guy in the scholarship office um, had like mercy on me so I was able to like pay off like maybe I'll say half of my accommodation fees mm. for that year but everything else I was just coasting on God's grace mm. like working mad jobs and just trying to get through mm. got diagnosed with depression in January of that year which wasn't great but you know wow. God is man said God man is said real. it wasn't great like <laughs> it wasn't you know what I mean not the most ideal situation (laughs) well as in like there was a lot that you were going through so yeah yeah it was oh it was mad but you know what's so funny when i got diagnosed i was like i don't think what i'm going through is that mad Mm. like i was like is is it that mad for me to get depressed like mm, in my head i was just plodding along like you know it's just like you know where you want to go yeah and life is people are punching you coming from like left right center and in your head you're just thinking oh this is just how life is going to be so in my head that i didn't still see that as a valid reason or i didn't see myself as that stressed or that worried or that you know whatever to even become depressed mm. so when it happened i was still a bit shocked and, and, and in and in denial to a certain extent till i mm. got the diagnosis mm. um um but yeah so that was quite hard to, to work through but again like i just had this kind of thing like i'm at university now i can't drop out like mm. Mm. You, can't, you can't kick me off i'm here i've told mm. my friends everybody knows like mm. i have i've made friends here i'm in society commitments for the next following academic year like i actually can't be kicked off mm. like i was so um but god's grace got me through like there were times when i was blocked off from my um blocked off from my portal and literally the last term so i meant to sit my exams for the to finish that foundation year mm. and they were like sorry um till you pay or unless you speak to the vice chancellor mm. we're not unblocking your account you're not sitting those exams and i think there was one random day I was in my room. I looked on Facebook and I saw that he was having a drop-in, a free drop-in thing with okay. students if you wanted to speak to him. Yeah. Went to speak to the guy. That's really good. And he was... That he, mate! That, that he I had was that. Like, a, lot, a lot of uni's vice chancellors would say students come and drop in. Oh, think, really? Well, definitely not. At, when I was... Stu- I bet at my uni. One of the unis that you I've been to. go on then. <laughs> when I was studying at Loughborough... <laughs> Um, yeah, call them out. <laughs> I, no, I, I definitely, well, it definitely, if it was, it definitely wasn't like something that many so people would advertise. have been in. Yeah, 
if he mm. did it. Yeah. No, they should because you're paying big, big coins, man. Mm. I think Sussex is quite a political um, university anyway. Yeah. And they're very, they're quite known for their activism, so I think that's probably why. But yeah, I went to him and I was explaining to him like, you know, I've been at uni for like three for this whole time and I'm just about to sit my final exam like please I need it to be unlocked and he just looked at me and he would just say like well that's not very helpful um I'll sort that out for you just like that you know as if I wasn't somebody who hadn't paid for anything like Mm. literally so um he yeah so he got that unlocked for me and I was able to sit my final exams even though I had to resit but you know that's life was this your foundation Um, yeah yes my foundation year um and it was just a manic year like that year we were just trying to figure out how to how to deal with the fact that I've started university, started my course, but junior finance is still saying no. Mm. At one point, I was going to drop out and then re- reinstate on a different course. Well, like a, I was just going to start my final year. I mean, start my psychology degree again Yeah. Um, the following year and just we're trying to do so much. that At one point, it was literally like, okay, if they say no again, I'm suing student finance. I'm ready to go global, baby. Mm. I'm going to sell my story to one newspaper. <laughs> uh, my mum's a solicitor, even yeah. though that's not in the area that she works with. Yeah, We're going to yeah, find, yeah. find a way. Like they'll, literally, I was just like not trying to give up and just... Because I started the ball and mm. the ball was rolling, basically. I was like, I need to finish, I need to finish this degree. But um, yeah, to cut the story short, because it's quite long. Yeah. Um, in the end, I did get the scholarship that I applied for that I got rejected from in the beginning. Wow. Because in the second year, so technically my first year of my psychology degree, yeah. Um, I was at the same point again, I was like, you know, I'm here. <laughs> um, I need help. So like, mm. I my last straw was basically I wrote a letter to whoever would read it, basically just p- highlighting all the different costs that I needed, that I had at university, my rent, all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. all the stuff that I do at university, just basically trying to just show them that I'm a, I'm a good student and I just deserve to be here, basically. Like, please, can you find a way? I don't even know what I was asking for, but I was like, you can't kick me out and I can't pay, so yeah. whatever the middle ground is, please find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, once again, met the Vice-Chancellor for a drop-in and he um, told me to um, to give him, to send send the pack because I had it in paper but he was like can you please send it to me electronically mm. I'm like cool that's fine I'll do that I forgot because I just thought yeah yeah. Like I, in, in my head I was just doing whatever I could but yeah. I didn't really remember mm. then he personally messaged me like he emailed me like two days later and he was like um hi can you please send me that um, pack that you had and I was thinking bruh like, <laughs> he remembered me yeah yeah because boy like, I was <laughs> that I was is looking a good, around that is like a good vice chancellor <laughs> Um, some people will say no but to me he but, was great yeah, yeah, honestly yeah. that's my bestie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he was so good so I was like wow god is maybe something's happening mm. um, and then so he might I don't know who sent it to but about a week or two later I got an email from him saying congratulations um, you have gotten this scholarship because apparently somebody had dropped out and they had given the scholarship to me Wow. I don't know who would drop out from such a university with such a thing like that but yeah. you know God makes a way, you know, Honestly. and I got that scholarship and it was amazing. And I just, yeah, I shouted. My mom was crying on the phone. I couldn't believe I can imagine, it. imagine, yeah. And it was just like, wow, like God had actually fulfilled his purpose. And mm. um, fulfilled not purpose, fulfilled his promise um, that he set like two, three, two years beforehand. Mm. That's how I ended up graduating. Come on. And I've graduated debt free, all to the glory of God. Come on, man. That's Not amazing. Myself, got myself a young T1, you know. Hey, what? Yeah, come on. Oh, that, 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 that is that's a round of applause. That is. Oh, that's amazing. Thanks, no, as in, thanks. I'm just, 
I think like what's been consistent throughout like everything that you've said about your story is just you've just had this trust in God, like this deep rooted trust in God, like throughout everything that yeah. you've gone through, especially like the uni part of it is like you were determined that if that you knew that this is something that God wanted you to do and you stuck through yeah. with it and you didn't give up. Yeah. That's the, yeah, I think that if I didn't hear that voice, mm. I would have quit time ago mm. because on that journey, there were so many, not, not so many, but there were enough people to tell me that, Rufio, what you're doing doesn't make any sense. Mm. You're going to get yourself into debt. Mm. Like, this is just not done. Like, this is not right. And I think if somebody came to me and told me their story as well, I would have told them, are you sure you're meant to go to university? Like, just wait another year kind of mm. thing. Mm. And it's funny because if I did wait that year, I probably wouldn't have gone to, been able to go to university for the next three years yes. after that because of different immigration stuff. And yeah, yeah. as much as my faith was deep-rooted in God and like I knew deep, deep down, it wasn't smooth sailing. Like, I can't... Mm. I can't be like one of those Christians that's been like, yeah, I just had faith in God and I just held his hand and I just walked through him. Mm, like, mm. no, like yeah. I got depressed. It takes, it I takes grit. God. It takes grit. Yeah, yeah. And it takes a lot of good people around you to be like, mm. no, Ruth, keep on going. Like, can't you see how far you've come? Like, you can't give up now. Mm. I think being transparent about the journey as well from the beginning kind of made me want to continue. Cause I was like, Ruth, you can't drop out now. You put this on YouTube, B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, oh, yes, I guess, I guess, good. I also do want to ask as well, like, what helped you get through your depression? Um, I, oh, I wish I could say therapy, but mm, <laughs> mm, I mm. tried, the, the, the therapist, the therapist situation I had wasn't the best, and I wouldn't say it's reflective of how, um, typical therapies and therapy, ther- therapeutic treatment, English roof. Typical therapeutic <laughs> I was even struggling for the word as well. I saw yeah. I was like, oh, what's yeah. what's Where's she going? Where's she going? Where's she going? I apologize. I apologize. Uh, yeah, no. Ther- therapeutic treatment. Therapeutic treatment. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. Yeah, it wasn't the best. Like, my therapist basically didn't turn up one day and I was oh, like, oh, on. okay. Yeah, legit. I never knew where she was and I was like, you know what? As I was really vulnerable at that time, especially because when you're depressed, it's just like, you know what? Mm. I'm going to try and get out of bed. Like, getting out of bed was just one thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so it wasn't really the best. I think after that after that time, um, I just said, I got to a point where I was like, we need to just fight this thing now. Yeah. Because it was it was very easy to succumb to what was going on and to, to succumb to my symptoms. And especially because I'm a, I study psychology. So I'm studying psychology along with going through the things that we we. T- um, get taught about yes which is kind yes, of ironic yeah so which is why i tell people like you can know everything in the world but depression is no respect of educational level mm, class mm, finance mm. how happy you can be like it's just mental health is mental health in it so mm. um yeah so i think it just started i started living for other people in a sense of not like trying to please people yeah but just trying to realize that ugh, i don't know what to say like trying to realize that people care for me and people are trying and those that knew would check up on me and my mum would check up on me every single day yeah in my lowest of times when I'd be thinking about like you know I just don't want to be here right now Mm. I'd like imagine what would happen after I died so I'd like imagine like the headlines if if I did at university and like I could imagine my youngest my brothers being really sad and my mum being sad and just Mm. having that with them for the rest of their lives and I was like I don't want that for them I don't Mm. want that for my friends Mm. so I would take it day by day and Mm. I had some good friends who would advise me about like you know when you aren't so sad because depression isn't 
sometimes it's not you're not depressed every single day in the same way so you mm. might be really bad for like two weeks and you'd have like three days when you're good mm. and so one thing my friend helped me to do was to recognize what i what would happen when i was really really low mm. so that when i was good i could prepare for that so yeah. i could like kind of figure out what yeah. to do so yeah. it was kind of just trying to be smart with my mind and trying to accept that i have to take everything day by day yeah. i can't count my happy days and expect myself to be happy every single day of my life that's mm. not that's not even good mental health that would be like very high on the on the spectrum do you know what i mean yeah. no one's happy all the time mm, mm. so um yeah and i think it was it was it was about a year and a a year a year battle i would say mm. um and even now like i've had a really bad mental <clears throat> i was in a very bad mental space maybe like three weeks not even three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Mm, mm. And it was, um, it wasn't until I spoke to my mum and my mm. brother about it that I got myself out of there. Like, I'm telling you, it, it was, I was low, man. Mm. Very, very low. And I just found myself back in that same depressive state. Mm. And one thing, I wish nobody would ever be able to experience it, but if you have, you know, it's that kind of cycle of just feeling like, okay, whatever whatever's triggering you doesn't even it doesn't even need to be something big like it's something it could be something really small mm. but then that starts running onto stuff like oh you're not good enough mm. you're not worth it mm. um you're, you're never going to be how how you want to be and stuff like that and then it's like oh look at the world you're not even doing anything to help the world mm. like this stuff is just going and then it's just a, a really really bad cycle and it just leads to the same point of you're in despair and you want to disappear mm. and it's like a lot of people just don't i don't feel like a lot of people actually want to die because mm. when you die there's no assurance about what it what happens after so it's not even like you can guarantee you're going to be in a better place unless you have faith in god and stuff like that but even then faith is believing in the unseen so there's there's still no assurance when you have faith mm. yeah if you look at it blankly anyway yeah yeah so a lot of people don't actually want to die it's just that thing of i just want to disappear mm. and um, we don't have an invisible cloak available for us to put on you so that's kind of like what it is yeah um so it's just really it's been talking to people and making sure that whenever it is bad i talk to somebody and i just i i, I explain in, in an honest way mm. of what is going on and yeah and i think i'm looking for a therapist at the moment yeah i'm about to start again because i think even as a christian mm. um it can get really hard and i feel like people God is always going to be a saving grace. I think yeah. how God saves you through mental health um, problems is not as people like to just assume it is. So mm. that they think like, oh, just pray and you'll be fine. Like mm. God's not going to just save you in that way because really and truly, I feel like it's very complex. Mm. I could pray to God all the time, but I haven't spoken to anybody about the fact that I want to disappear. Mm. So if there's one day that I'm just really, really get it's getting really bad and I don't pray. Who's going to be able to know? Who's going to know to save me? Mm, Do you know what I mean? Mm, so mm. you, there's multiple ways to... Communities to, is, is yeah, everything. Yeah. And God didn't want us to live um, alone. Yeah. Or to be alone or go for anything alone. Yeah. So, yeah. No, Ruth, thank you so much for coming on today, man. Your story no, no. is so, so inspiring. And as I said, like just your perseverance and your faith and trust in God, I think like through people hearing everything that you've been through, they'll most definitely be encouraged to just keep going with whatever it is that they're trying to pursue. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, and I said, God bless you, man, for real. Thank you.
God bless you. Thank you for this platform as well. Like, I, um, it's a pleasure. Like, honestly, you guys make sure you're subscribed. Subscribe or follow. Yeah, man. Drop, drop, drop a rate in the comment if you listen to Apple Podcasts or anything like that. Honestly, these episodes are so good. I have binge watched all of them. Binge watched, binge listened. Binge listened. No, thank you. And then, no, it's really good, guys.